Alrighty guys, welcome back to the fifth episode of the Strength Institute podcast. Uh, if you haven't done so already, make sure you like, subscribe on YouTube to help build the channel. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, today we have Dan Macri here. What's going on? Dan is a strong man um, with a, a bit of a history in strength sports in general. So we're going to be touching on everything today from powerlifting, strong man, how to set up a competition, injuries, pretty much the whole lot. So Dan, thanks very much for coming on. Oh, absolute pleasure, man. It's uh, it's. it's yeah, happy to be here. Awesome. Um, Dan actually is the guy that got me into Strongman uh, back in 2010. Uh, we were actually doing our uh, exercise and sports science degree at university. And I heard Dan, uh, I overheard this guy talking to someone else about the numbers he was squatting. And I, I was thinking back in my head, I turned around and there's this big guy and I said, well, this guy is either full of it, he's either lying or there's something going on here. So I, I moseyed on over, I, I slipped in and I said, uh, I heard you talking about your squat and uh, it sounded really impressive. So what's going on here? And, and Dan's like, oh, I actually did powerlifting and I do strongman. And he asked me what I squatted, I told him. Um, it wasn't that much at the time, still not that much, but uh, it's better now than what it was. And uh, Dan said, uh, why don't you come up and train at my house? And that's the sort of guy Dan is. He took me right in and then introduced me to this world of strength sports and I haven't looked back since. So Dan, can you just tell everyone how you got into strongman and how, you, or if you did, you know, what you did before that as well? Yeah, uh, look, uh Somewhat interesting story, I guess. Um, when I was 14, I was, I sort of had been playing rugby for a couple of years, was starting to get a, a little bit more serious about it and looking towards um, making some state teams. Um, thought it'd be good to jump into the gym, kind of get a bit stronger. Not, not that I wasn't strong, but it's kind of like maximizing my best attribute, you know, because I'm big guys so I'm never going to have quite the cardio so just get as strong as I can you know build up the cardio as much as I can but you know be as good as I can at plus lifting things was fun um got to the gym started training the trainer that I had at that point in time was like hey you're you are really really strong there's a powerlifting comp on in a couple of weekends time why don't you do it it actually happened to be my uh my 15th birthday so jumped in and uh and gave it a shot and um with no technique and no real idea what I was doing, I, I broke every national record for as a teenager um, in my first comp. Um, went on and powerlifted for uh, for three years as a teenager, um, multiple world championships and world records. Um, started getting a little bored of powerlifting at this point in time. Uh, for anyone who does have a bit of a history of powerlifting, this is a point in time where like your equipped powerlifting was kind of all that existed. Um, the first year that I went to the World Powerlifting Championships of WPC, Raw wasn't even a thing, and they had just, at a different federation, run their f the first ever Raw World Championships, which literally had eight competitors, which now it's pretty much the inverse. Equips, uh, Raw's going to have everyone, and Equip's going to have eight competitors. Um, yeah, it started falling a little bit more out of love with powerlifting because three quarters of the training session in the sport was trying to get into my equipment or figure out how to move my equipment. It, got to the point where, you know, you couldn't hit depth in a squat because your suit was too tight, your suit's only perfectly made for you at a certain body weight, and if you gain or lose a couple of kilos, nothing works anymore. Um, Just to interject quickly, not yep. to interrupt, for those listeners that have no idea about powerlifting at all, powerlifting is a sport where it's just a squat, bench, and deadlift, and there's a couple of different categories. So you have a raw competition, and depending on the federation, there's a couple of variations. So generally, raw, raw is going to be belt raw or belt gonna, and knee reps. Yeah, raw's always, belt, raw's always going to be a belt, um, and depending on the federation, it's either going to be knee sleeves, as in the neoprene soft knee sleeves, or, or knee wraps of 
somewhere between two and, and two and a half metres, depending on the federation. And equip lifting? Equip lifting is going to be, obviously, belt and air apps are, are, are available, but you also have, like, your, your neoprene suits or denim suits which look kind of like a soft suit does for your squat and your deadlift and they look like a weird kind of like zombie like a shirt kind of puts you in a weird zombie arms position but they're almost like um if you've ever done reverse band squats it's kind of like doing reverse band lifts because you have to rather than just squat down using your own leverages and squat back up in a reverse band squat you can kind of maximize it by keeping the bar path as straight up and down as possible and that creates the most stretch and shoots you back up with a equipped squat, you, rather than letting your knees have any forward flexion so you can maximize squat activity, you really almost want to push your, yourself back into the squat as much as you can because that creates the most spring and then that kind of slings you back up. So it's, look, I'm not going to say one is better than the other. I, I'm in a very unique situation where unofficially at least I've, I've squatted 900 pounds or 14 kilos, both equipped and, and raw at different points in time. Um, and, and they're, they're different like phys phys physically in terms of like muscular effort exerted the raw squat's way harder there's no disputing that in terms of technique and, and you know precision you have to be more precise in the suit so it's almost I, best, I think the best analogy is, is, is motor racing you know raw powerlifting is like the V8s where equipped powerlifting is kind of like Formula One you know it, it's not necessarily better drivers but there's a difference in equipment and difference in precision that's required with that equipment yeah no it's um, definitely something uh, pretty unique if you if you haven't seen powerlifting or, or especially equipped powerlifting it's, yeah. um, it's a bit of a bit of a a full-on exhibition, isn't it? Oh yeah, look, it's it's a, it's a very different show. It's one of those things I would recommend to a lot of people to have a crack at if if they can. It's just so cost prohibitive. Those the, the I think the biggest downfall that that sport has. I mean, if even if you go top of the line equipment as a raw powerlifter, you spend two hundred and twenty bucks on shoes. You spend you know two hundred bucks getting a couple of pairs of knee wraps. You know, hundred bucks getting a pair of knee sleeves. Seventy bucks getting a soft suit. Got to get a belt. Yeah, a couple hundred bucks getting <laughs> yeah. a belt and you're good to go, let's say 600 bucks. Sounds expensive. Compare that to equipped powerlifting where you're like, well, you know, I need all that, but I also need a squat suit, which is like 300 bucks, and a pair of squat briefs, which is like another 250 bucks, and a bench shirt, which is another 250 bucks, and a deadlift suit, which is another 200 bucks. But because they're so tight and bound up, do I need just one squat suit or do I need two? Do I need a training squat suit? And then do I need my heavy comp squat suit? How many pairs of knee wraps do I need? I mean, it's, your barrier of entry is a couple of thousand dollars, you know, so it's, it's a difficult sport to get into and to yeah. convince people to give a shot. Um, but yeah. Okay, well that's powerlifting yeah. in a nutshell then. Um, so just so everyone that's listening gets an idea of the sort of numbers you're lifting as a teenager when you were powerlifting, what are your sort of numbers, raw, raw and equipped, and um, and then how you know did you transfer into the strongman scene? Um, all right, so best numbers, raw and equipped as a teenager, equipped. Uh, this should go rough, roughly 18ish at this point in time. Um, I squatted 410, bench pressed 260, um, and deadlifted 315. Honestly, most of these were training numbers. My last year of competition, as often goes with equipped powerlifting, is, was pretty shaky. Like I said, you have to have everything set perfectly right in the day, and it's not, it's not like lacing up a pair of footy boots where it doesn't make that much difference. It's kind of like, hey, I pulled the squat suit up 
five millimeters too high and I don't have enough tension, or I pulled it five millimeters too low and now there's too much tension and I can't hit parallel. And I had a, my last few comps in equip powerlifting just went horrendous for reasons like that. Um, my best raw numbers at that point in time were about 340-ish in the squat, 210, 215 in the bench. Um, and deadlift was pretty similar, still about the 300-ish sort of mark. And, and guys, I know I have a few American listeners listening. This is in kilograms, not pounds. So you can times that by 2.2. So he's lifting some serious weight as a teenager here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, from there, that whole, you know, mucking around with it with equipment kind of aggravated me a little with, um, with powerlifting. And my, my dad had, uh, had showed us um, the World's Strongest Man competition on TV. And I think the, the first event that I saw, I'll be lying if I said I could remember what year's World's Strongest Man it was, but they had a car flip, which I believe Marius won. And I remember just looking at him flipping over a car and uh, always been a huge Incredible Hulk fan. Uh, can't wait for Endgame to come out. Free shout out to Marvel there. Um, saw him flipping over a car. I was like, wow, that guy's like as close as a human being can be to being the Hulk. I want to do that. And then it, sort of... It's funny you mentioned that because as soon as you told me about Strongman, I went home, Googled it, and the very first clip that I saw was a giant Icelandic man uh, doing a huge deadlift, then jumping up, ripping his shirt off and shouting, I'm so powerful! <laughs> I was like, jump this, jump off. This, this, could be, this could be the sport for me. I like this. This is fun. Yeah, strong, right. Strongman was always fun because it gave you a little bit more opportunity to be a bit of a showman with it as well where powerlifting and Olympic lifting are relatively awesome feats of strength I'm talking down but relatively dry in terms of celebration but yeah like I said saw that just thought this looks really cool the sport was almost non-existent in Australia at that point in time was totally non-existent in WA um so I sort of just started getting my own together equipment going equipment together and training with no real direct hey this is the pathway to kind of get to Australian championships or anything. Started training, um, another powerlifter, Matt Van Bunigan from down Collie's Way, also had intended to do Strongman at that point in time and went over to do Australia's Strongest Man on, a, on, a, on an invite. Um, then sort of got the opportunity to run Strongman in WA. I did a couple of comps that he won, that he, had he, he ran, um, and I won WA's Strongest Man in my second competition. Um, do you know what year that was? No, but I was 20 at the time. Nin sorry, 19 at the time, sorry. 19, okay. My first comp was when I was 18. Um, so we can backtrack from there, 11 years ago. Yeah, okay. Yeah, whatever that is. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah late two, late, two late 2000s. 2000s, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, um, from there, he sort of decided that he didn't really want to have much to do with strongman anymore, and he wanted to focus on uh, on powerlifting. So he sort of handed the reins over to me. So I got the uh, the fun task of running competitions while also trying to compete, which created mild controversy. Probably would have created more controversy now with there's a larger competitive base, but mild controversy where. Um, I was both running and competing in competitions. People were like, oh, you're always picking the events that you like. It's like, well, no, I'm not. I'm actually just, I actually was getting the head of the federation at that point in time to pick all the events for us. I was like, hey, what's the stand do you want? What events do you want? I don't want to be picking this for exactly that reason. Um, yeah, from there, went on to Australia's Strongest Man for the first time at the same time uh, Nev did. Nev won that year. Um, the 105ers. Yeah. I, uh, I got fourth in the, in the, in the heavies. Um, and then... 
I continued on competing for a couple of years after that. I got six the following year, but that was uh, like five months after having my pec reattached. So definitely not 100% that year. Um, and then I followed that up with, um, with two very close second places. Um, then made my uh, professional debut in 2015. Unfortunately, well delayed because of the pec tear again in uh, in in 2015 at the Australian Arnold, where um, I got eighth overall out of a really strong international field. Um, I mean, talking guys like Brian Shaw, Eddie Hall, uh, Christoph Radzikowski, Robert Oberst. So you had five guys that were top ten at World's Strongest Man the uh, the the year before. Um, managed to I got my, my best placing at that event was. Um, I got third in the car walk, broke the, uh, the, the, the national record. Brian Shaw got the world record and I was under a second behind where he was. Um, I felt like I could have done a bit better on the event if I had, a, had more confidence in, my, in, in myself in, in that particular event. But look, you, you live and learn. Unfortunately though, after that, I um, had a, uh, a fun out of injuries which started with um, a mild cartilage tear in my knee which in retrospect now I barely want to count because after getting the surgery done of that I was, I was back to squatting 300 for reps within like 15 days or something like that it was um, yeah fastest recovery that the surgeons ever had back to high level performance post uh, post arthroscope um, but yeah then following that I then followed that up with um, mucking up both hands torn long head of my bicep um, two quad tears, bellies that didn't require surgeries, um, and um, torn tricep. Uh, February twenty eighteen, which, in all honesty, was the uh, the final nail in the coffin um, in terms of professional competition. But look, still actively involved in the sport. I still run all the competitions in WA. I help officiate. Um, Competitions over East, particularly the international stuff. I just officiated the uh, the 2019 Australian Arnold, um, and then I've, I've still got a couple of records that I that I wouldn't mind having a, a crack at. So, Australian squat records, one I've always wanted to have an attempt at. Um, big goal's always been squatting a thousand pounds, so 455 kilos. So, might have a crack at that later this year, depending on how training's going. But no longer in a rush to do anything. And um, look. National record for the heaviest yoke is, is 610, and I, I know I could have beaten that. In fact, I had done a little more than that just before I tore my bicep. Um, but look, didn't do it on the day, so it doesn't count. And heaviest yoke ever carried in the world is, I think, 715. So maybe one day look to have a crack at that as well. So yeah, still a couple of goals, but just not as total competition based. But yeah. Sure. All right, so it sounds like a pretty nasty run of injuries. Unfortunately, but yeah, yeah it hey, tends to such happen. Such is life. <laughs> and um, I, I guess when you're lifting things, um, I mean, gym is actually quite a safe thing for the majority of people. When you're yes. lifting things that are so incredibly heavy, there's going to be freak accidents, just accidents, even small things that can really sort of set off um, quite major injuries. Uh, I wanted to touch base with you on, um, or pick your brain at least, on your training philosophy as you developed through Strongman and how it changed. And if you think that um, how you trained or, or you know, you're just your pure size, for those that are only listening, you're sitting at about 180 kilos at the moment. Yeah. Um, and from my experience, knowing you through Strongman was always sort of between 160 and 180, maybe 185. Yeah, the heaviest I ever competed at, which was, was the Arnold's, was about 187. About 187. Um, and that was probably, 
overall peak of my strength at that point in time. I never really tested any maxes at that point other than, you know, what what needed to be done for the competition. But right. um but I, I really felt, you know, you know what you do. You, I hit X amount of reps at X weight. And I kind of feel I could have done whatever, which training numbers, but who cares? Um, sort of things. So that's where I felt was, was my absolute peak then. And I just feel like I've made improvements since then, but it's been very limited and up and down. And I still feel capable of at least lower body wise hitting some better numbers, but yeah. Anyway, training philosophy-wise, um, that last couple of years I had um, Jeremy Hogg, who's a international, he's actually a very accomplished strength athlete, international, uh, like professional competitor in strongman, Highland Games, as well as um, as well as grip events. Um, in terms of grip, absolutely elite. Um, yeah, one of the one of the absolute strongest grips in the in the world. Um, and I believe runner-up as a uh, as a national um, at, at, at Shopwood Nationals in New Zealand one year as well. With I'll, I'll be lying if I can remember his throw. I think it was seventeen or eighteen-ish somewhere around there, which is a very solid shot put. Um, I had Jeremy training me that last couple of years, and it was probably the smartest training that I'd done in strongman. It was relatively minimalistic when it came to assistance work. And it was doing enough volume on the events to continually improve. Um, and it was basically the, the, the way the program works. You had we had we had six events in that competition. We would do two, sorry, between one and three of them each day, depending on what event it was. And some days intentionally planned as one, so it was a bit more rest. Trained four days a week, so it was Monday, Tuesday. Thursday, Saturday, and we'll basically do yeah, between one and three events and then one to two assistance exercises, mainly an upper back exercise, a tricep exercise, or a hamstring exercise. And then you'd kind of have a bit of a rotation. So say with the, the, the car walk that we had that year, um, you'd sort of do the car walk one week. So the, the weight we had for the car walk was 435. You'd go one week, we'd sort of go like 370, 380-ish, and you'd do like, say, four or five speed runs. And then the next week, you'd go a bit heavier, say like 460, 470-ish, and do one, maybe two heavy runs, but a shorter distance. The comp distance was 25, so the heavy runs were doing like 10s to 15s. The short runs were doing 15s to 20s. There was no point in taxing yourself really doing the full distance till sort of the last two weeks of training. We basically just went everything at event weight, one run through, two events per day. Um, and it was, it was weird. I felt almost like I wasn't training at all. Like I felt I was, I was massively underdoing it, but went really well into that uh, competition. Prior to that, my training was almost like a survival of the fittest kind of thing. You know, it was like a, hey, let's see. You know, it was just, it was real dumb progressive overload. And it was always like, you know, load is king. You know, there was no thought of technique, no thought of, thought of volume. It was just, well, you know, I'm deadlifting tonight. What can I work up to in a single? I'll do a single there. Uh, maybe I'll drop back and, you know, hit, hit a couple of, you know, lighter reps. Now nah, I'll just do another single that's heavy. And you just kind of, it was very grindy and heavy. You, you did wear yourself down, your CNS down very quickly. Um, and I guess now my training's changed a fair bit again. Like I said, squat's my major focus at the moment. I've got um, Nathan Baxter, who, uh, yeah, biggest bench press ever performed by an Australian still, um, even several years removed from the sport, um, training us at the moment. And uh, it's a lot more volume than I used to do, but it's very um, sub-maximal. Like I said, my, my max squat 
you know, I, I feel at this point in time it's going to be somewhere over 400, but my, my working weight tonight was, was 325 and, you know, and only for sets of three. So it was more of a focus on speed, precision, you know, keeping my posture a lot more upright rather than bending forward. And it's just, you know, if you keep doing everything right, eventually everything's going to fall into place. There's no need to hurt yourself. There's no need to strain yourself. Just keep making steady progress. And the idea is if you do it right this week, you're recovered enough by next week to make that little continual improvement. And each week, just tack a little bit further ahead, you know. Do you like to program in uh, deloads at the moment? Like, do you build for three, four weeks, have a week sort of quite removed from the uh, heavy loads or are you just sort of because it's quite submaximal just progressively each week tacking a little bit extra um, on leading it, into a look, comp in, in I guess we work off it's, it's, it's Nathan's funny um, and, I, and I actually really agree with him he says you know you don't really he doesn't really have to give me a training program or a plan it's a training idea the concept is we're going to do this on Wednesday being the squats Monday we're going to do these exercises Saturday we're going to do these exercises, Friday we're going to do these. But the truth is, that works in a bubble, you know, in reality. I mean, look, I, I worked 63 hours last week, you know. Am I at 100% training tonight? No. Did I train Monday and Tuesday this week like I normally do? No. It's a lot more self-regulated. I mean, and it's, 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 the truth is, and the best way to put it is just be honest. You know, if you feel like shit, we cut the volume back. If you really can't do a training day, don't do it. Because anytime you start grinding through the days that you just can't in your head, you know, wake up and go, you know what, I really want to be getting up and going to the gym this morning, or yeah, you know, I finished work and I really want to be going putting some heavy, you know, bars on my back to do some squats. You don't do it because that's when you just start grinding yourself into the dirt, and that's when you start going backwards and getting injuries. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess um, digging into uh, the strongman, um, regards when you're competing, or I mean, now you run all the WA events, um, WA strongman, which I'm going to be linking all the info in the description of the video and the podcast. Appreciate that. Yeah, that's not a problem. Um, and if you haven't, if you haven't done strongman before, get involved. He runs novice comps to in line with the normal comps, so there's a uh, lighter weights and it's a bit more of a, a, a friendly welcome into the sport. Uh, one of the big issues you know, you said there's a barrier to entry is cost in in powerlifting. Similar in strongman, just because the equipment is there's a lot of gyms don't have the equipment. If you want to get it made, it is quite expensive. Yeah, um, I mean, look, a few places have made it a lot more accessible. I mean, especially if you're chucking. Let's just say powerlifting. Okay, you can find powerlifting equipment at literally any gym. At pretty much any gym you go to, should have a, a rack a bar and a bunch of plates and somewhere to deadlift and somewhere to bench. Um, so you don't really have to come up with your own stuff. Powerlifting, if we, a strong man, if we go, okay, let's go minimalist equipment, you need, you know, a pair of shoes and not even like a super specialist pair of shoes. You can just go like, look, a good solid sold pair of shoes. I recommend something like, um, like you added us like high tops, which just have that solid rubber stole, nothing with those air bubbles in it. Um, and you can probably pick them up for 80 to 100 bucks for a pair of shoes. You can use those for every event if you want to. Yes, you can get more fancy and use, you know, squat shoes for, you know, ollie shoes for, for the pressing and stones and, and whatever else. But if you need one pair of shoes, you can get that. You need a pair of knee sleeves. I'd probably recommend a pair of elbow sleeves. Probably a belt and a pair of straps. So in terms of personal equipment, you're looking at a couple hundred bucks maybe. You know, if you want to get all the equipment before you start, you can also get cheaper versions of a lot of the stuff to cut down the, the, the barrier of entry to begin with. I mean, especially if you're just wanting to give it a shot. You know, most supplement stores like Nutrition Warehouse, where I work, coincidentally, you can buy a uh, you can buy like you know 
a, a decent enough weightlifting belt to kind of get yourself started for 40 bucks. You know, a pair of, you know, you know, figure eight straps is going to cost you 20 bucks. You know, you can, you can get into it relatively cheap. Um, even in terms of buying your own equipment, you've got a few places like Flex Fitness, which offer some really cheap packages to get a lot of your equipment. I mean, you, you go bare minimum you need, you get a yoke, a pair of farmers, a log and an axle. And as a good package, they'll probably do it for about five, 600 bucks for you. And then you need some plates and whatever else. But that's if you're setting it up as a home gym. More and more, you're getting more facilities that actually offer strongman now. So obviously here at the Strength Institute, they've got a really good um, selection of strongman equipment. The Muscle Pit's got a great selection. Um, PTC Perth have a decent, sorry, Rucci's Gym Perth. Still PTC as far as I'm concerned. Have a, um, have, have a, have a decent set of equipment. Um, uh, legendary lifting in Perth are also pre pretty well set up and uh, heading further down south um, I know Goldsport Kennedy had a really good setup but I believe they might have moved a lot of their equipment to a secondary location more and more CrossFit gyms are picking up strongman equipment as well um, and even then I know all the raw fitnesses tend to have at least a little bit of gear on, on hand so um yeah, you, you can find access to the equipment a lot more easily now than what you used to. Things like stones are generally going to be a little more selective and where you will or won't find them, but you can generally get enough equipment to have a play and go, hey, carrying yokes is fun or this shit's too painful and I don't want to do it anymore, um, you know, for relatively cheap before you really overcommit to, to, to being part of the sport. There you go. There's no excuse, guys. Plenty of gyms have the equipment now, so go give it a shot. Uh, what would you recommend for someone getting into Strongman as a base or the bare bones training they need to do? I found when I was training with you, we would run usually one event on two, to th two sessions a week and we'd have the events day where we'd run three to four events and we had a supplementary exercises. We would sort of try to match muscle groups. Uh, powerlifting being a great base for strongman as well. But what's the most beneficial sort of uh, exercises or training regimes that you think have good crossover into strongman? Um, I mean, look, your, your, your big exercises, your squats, deadlifts, overhead press, to an extent bench, upper back movements, they're going to make you good at any strength sport and make you better in just in terms of athletic performance. If you're not doing all those movements, um, I think it's Joe DeFranco. His, his, his method is basically need you know a push, a pull, um, a squat, a carry, a twist, and a hinge. Hinge. Yeah. Hinge. There you go. That's your, 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 your big six or seven. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Six move. Whatever it is. Look up some of Joe DeFranco's stuff. He lists them out. But obviously, it, strongman encompasses all of those. Squats, pretty self-explanatory. Carry, yoke, farmers, sandbags, a push, a log, a bench press. You know, deadlift. Covers, you know, deadlift, good mornings, they cover your hinges. You know, a pull can also be like a row or something like that or a chin. You know, that's that's your basis there. In terms of programming for strongman, um, I'm a big fan of the way that I never were training, just a little bit smarter than what I was. Pair things up, like I really like going, the, the way that we had it before was, you know, light squat or... Speed or dynamic squats? Yeah, then heavy, heavy, heavy yoke. And then the following week we'd go heavy yoke. Speed, speed yoke. Speed yoke, heavy squats, Yeah. you know? Um, same kind of rotation when it came to um, a strongman press, like a, a log or an axle, and then bench, or and then do strict press as an accessory. Same sort of split with deadlift or frame carrying farmers, and then that true events day. That's where you, you know chuck in your medleys, your stones, your, your sandbag carries, all the extra stuff that you can't really fit in 
that base program there. So I always thought that was a, a really good method. If you have access to it, if if you don't, if you have to go to two facilities, which I know was a, is a, had been a situation for a lot of people, follow a powerlifting-esque split for, um, you know, during the week. A squat day, a press day, a deadlift day. On your press day, especially if your goal is strongman, I would still try and get a strongman press in there, like a yoke, like a log or, a, or an axle. If you can't strict press and then do three to four events on a, on a Saturday, um, you know, one of them being a press if you can't get the, the log in or the axle in during the week, and then obviously a deadlift day. So that's they're the, the two ways I'd sort of look at going. Keep it relatively simple. It's it's lifting weights, you know. It's getting as strong as you can get. That's, <laughs> that's it. Well, what, what I really love about strongman is it's uh, sometimes can get a little bit uh, tiresome doing the same thing in the gym every day. Whereas strongman, you can really have so much variation, and it's just so much fun to pick up something heavy and move with it. That's not your typical squatting on the spot, deadlifting on the spot, you know, overhead pressing on the spot. You're moving around with these events, and it's just um, another whole dimension to strength. Being able to move in an awkward position with a heavy weight is, uh, is a pretty good um, attribute to develop, I would say. Oh, definitely. I mean, look, and, and, and like Neville was saying, that they're, they're good alternatives to stuff you're doing. Um, I did a seminar for, um, for some CrossFit athletes um, a while back, and it was obviously strongman but angled towards CrossFitters. And I was like, well, yes, strongman does show up in CrossFit events from time to time, but what's kind of, how, how, how do I feel I can give them the most value here? And I guess the way I sort of pitched it really was, look, think about it this way. The, and um, it was Mike Newton, uh, a professor, oh, yeah, yeah. who told us this. And the biggest thing I took from him, I, I, I remember this clearly, was the best training program is the one that the athlete's going to follow. So I was like, well, look, if you've got squats in your program, but it's weak 80 of squats, and you're like, man, I am bored of squats and I just don't want to do a squat you know what, sub out squats for doing a yoke that week. Oh, but it's not the same. No, it's not the same, but you're working the same muscles. You know, it's going to be fun. And you're working hard. Exactly, you're working hard, you're doing, you're working the same muscles and it's going to be fun again, you know. Swatch, switch it out for a week or two till you feel like squatting again. Go back to it. Program in a cycle of yoke, you know. Stop squatting for a while. Take a little bit of stress off your hip flexors and, you know, and your hip joints. Let them recover a bit. Do something else. Same deal, you know, with, 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 with your, you know, with your Olympic work, do it with an axle for a couple of weeks, you know, make it a bit more challenging and a bit different. Work a couple of different attributes, you know, chuck some farmers in for some extra grip and some extra upper back work. Just make it fun, you know. Yeah, I, I, you see that in, in normal training as well. It's adherence. It's the same with everything. You want to lose weight, stick to a plan, a nutrition plan. If you want to get stronger, stick to your gym plan. Um, but you have to adhere to it. And if you miss a session, you know, get back in there. Yeah. Don't, don't take the rest of the week off as well and start on Monday, uh, which is a pretty common thing that people like to do. Um, but yeah, I can't agree more. Adherence is, is really important. And just do whatever it takes to make sure you're going to get into the gym and, and, and do that training. Um, even if it means making it a bit lighter or changing things up. That's great advice. Oh, I mean, the, the, the thing that I hate hearing the most from any athlete that I've trained or have trained is, you know, there's very, very few athletes that you'll ever encounter that legitimately go, I will do whatever it takes no matter what this exercise is and I will, you know, grind away at it relentlessly no matter if this exercise makes me want to put a pistol in my mouth and pull the trigger, you know. Um, John Wellborn, who obviously was pretty involved in CrossFit a while and NFL uh, offensive lineman for about 10 years, I remember him uh, having a chat to, um, oh, I feel like an old man forgetting shit here. Dude from Starting Strength. I'm blanked. Yeah, anyway, dude from Starting Strength. Shout out to you as well, great book. Um, but anyway, 
he was sort of talking about, you know, for the NFL guys doing high pulls, you know, and like tie flips instead of doing cleans and snatches. And um, the guy was like, oh, but, you know, cleans and snatches have all these benefits and this and that. He goes, yeah, but, you know, these guys have got so much other shit to learn. They've got, you know, a playbook to learn. They're in there to develop an attribute. They're not in there to, you know, spend four years developing a, the skill of how to clean proficiently before they actually start making any progress. That's no benefit to them, you know. So on, on top of that, if they don't want to do it, they're not going to do it. Oh, but, you know, they're high-level athletes. They should have the dedication to do whatever it takes. He goes, yeah, you know, they are high-level athletes, but they, they, they don't need to be doing that. And so end of the, you know, he goes, oh, you know, it's a good strength coach. You should be pushing them to do that. He goes, yeah, it's not how it works there. You know, you start telling, you know, Mr. Quarterback at $16 million a year, you need to be learning how to clean properly. You need to be here every day so I can teach you this. He goes and speaks to the general manager. He goes, you know what, this Nevin guy who's our new strength and conditioning coach, not a big fan of him. Either he leaves or I leave. And I sit there and go, S&C coach, star quarterback, S&C coach, star quarterback, Sorry, dude, you're out. <laughs> yeah, star quarterback or SMC coach. I mean, uh, I clearly you picked the SMC coach. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Um, that's, that's good advice for people starting out then, guys. But uh, let's talk a bit more about WA Strongman, which yes. is sort of uh, your business company. How do you it, run it? It's it, 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 is, it is run as a business. Um, it's... I can't say non-for-profit because we do turn a profit, but I don't pocket any of that profit. The profit is fully reinvested back into the sport and it's about developing the sport. So if let's just say we make, you know, $2,000 in a calendar year, that'll generally be seen as either A, $2,000 worth of new equipment for us to run competitions with, like we're looking to get like a decent PA system and a, and a proper competition trailer to transport our equipment around, that's the next purchase we'll be making, or it'll be $2,000 worth of new equipment for the athletes to actually be competing um, with, so it's that's realistically how we work, um, and I do offer, you know, a very limited amount of coaching, um, not because I don't want to offer more, but I also want to offer a level of service and feedback with coaching and especially the last couple of weeks with, with my you know full-time job it, it gets hard to offer that level of service and I'm very lucky that the people I do have at the moment are quite understanding that I will get back to them with all their feedback it just yeah. might take me a little bit of time depending on what else is going on so yeah sure <laughs> well and then in terms of running these competitions because WA Strongman is is basically the hardest strongman in WA. There is some other in and out, but really you run four comps during the year. I think there's three qualifiers and a state championships. Yep. There's pathways to the Australia's Strongest Man, pathways to Arnold Classic. So um, before we, we dive into the uh, sort of that, that uh, line of thought, um, how do you run a comp? I mean, for someone that hasn't done one and wants to know what to expect, how do you lay out a competition for the day? What, how do you pick the events? Yep. Um, and what do you need to uh, take into consideration? All right, so basically a, a standard event, any event we run in WA is generally gonna be three events. We are looking to do a couple of standalone events, but different discussion there. Um, essentially the way we look at it is we wanna go something leg dominant, something back dominant, um, a press, wild card event for lack of a better way to put it um and then some kind of a load um so something leg dominant you know most common variations you'll see would be you know a squat a yoke i guess a truck pull would fit to that logistically truck pulls especially with like 30 plus athletes at the moment are super hard to run i'd love to do it but yeah. 
you're talking like a four-hour commitment for one event mm. doing a truck pull for 30-plus athletes. Um, back dominant, deadlift, you know, farmer's walk, frame carry. I guess things like your frame carries, farmer's walks, they also incorporate um, grip. your grip strength as well. Um, press, axle press, log press, press for reps, press for max, some kind of a press medley. Your wild card events, look... <laughs> It could be all sorts of things. I mean, we've done, you know, sandbag carries for max distance. We've done, you know, um, we did a grip medley at the last eight championships, which was an event that I really kind of wanted to run for personal interest. And I think it was, it was 50-50. I think it was a great challenge. And as a competitor event, it really tested an interesting attribute. I don't think a lot of the crowd had quite enough appreciation for it. And the truth is strongman is still it is a sport 100% but it also is entertainment you know it's very much that wow factor um and to be fair it's a niche sport so you want to you want to entertain people to get their interest exactly you know the, the interest is created from people doing cool things you know seeing someone you know Seeing someone squat with a bar, if you appreciate how heavy that is, that's great. But seeing someone squat with a big axle with, you know, three big truck tires either side, look, that could weigh 40 kilos, but it still looks super impressive, right. you know? Not um, that your comps are light. They're all super heavy. No, <laughs> no, not at all. It's just, I mean, look, um, uh, oh, easy example. Our axle squat setup, if you go the bar plus the three tires, it weighs in at 260, which is a good weight. You start asking random people, hey, look, we've got this big, thick, solid bar here. It's got three big truck tires either side. What do you think it weighs? Oh, it must be at least 300 kilos. Oh, no, heavier than that. It, I reckon it'll be 310. You know, oh, maybe not quite that. It might be 280. No one guesses the right weight. Everyone guesses more, you know? And that's the cool thing about it because it's big, because it's impressive, because it's weird. You know, it, it, it looks it looks heavy and interesting. Um Zerka carry medley was another cool one that we had as another wildcard event. So another carry, but rather than a back carry or in your hands, it's in the in the crook of your arms. So Zerka carry. Yes. So testing out a few different attributes. We like to keep things kind of as as varied as we can throughout the year. Events definitely will get repeated, but we try and minimise repeats as much as we can throughout the year for two reasons. One. We do actually have a good group of fans that come along to every comp we run to watch, which is something that I've noticed has happened the last couple of years, which is awesome for growth of the sport. Um, the second thing is, as a competitor, we get a lot of people who just love doing the comps. And if every single one of the comps is the same five events, you're not going to get as many people that want to compete multiple times throughout the year. Um, and honestly, for myself running it, it's fun to have different things to run. You know, it's it's different logistical challenges. It's it's just cool to set different things up. And it's just fun for myself. I, I mean, I, I, I love I love seeing what people can do. You know, I, the, the best thing for me is we go, the women's division has been one of the most fun things we've had recently because we go, all right, well, you know, this is what we think is going to be a good weight, you know, for, for the women's axle press and the first one will come out and do three and the next woman comes out and does five you're like okay we think we've got this right weight and then the third woman comes out you know and does nine you're like okay well maybe she's going to be the winner and the next two women come out who you know very high level crossfit athletes and they both do like 20 plus you're like maybe we should up the weight a little bit (laughs) you know and it's it's that's been the best thing having that happen because 
we get stuff like that happen, like, all right, well, we have to raise the standard. And by us having to raise the standard, it raises the standard of all the athletes. You know, it's, it's weird. If you go, I want to squat 200 kilos, you probably get there eventually, but you don't have an end date. If you go, I want to squat 200 kilos by December 31st, 2019, you've got a direct end date. So every session you go to, it's got more of a purpose. I have to do this in this session to be able to do this in the next session so I can be ready to do this, you know, December 31st. So it's, I really love seeing all the athletes, you know, kind of pushing each other, pushing us. I love to be proved wrong, as dumb as it sounds, you know? Nothing gives me more joy than being proved wrong for me to go, I think that's gonna be too heavy, let's go 10 kilos lighter than what we thought, and then everyone smashes out of the park. It's like, well, I messed up, but I'm happy to have messed up because it shows that everyone is performing well. You know, it's, it, it's a really cool feeling. Yeah, it is, and, and it is true. The standard has skyrocketed over the last eight, eight years yeah. since I last competed. Um, I mean, there's a, not only a lot more competitors, but you have a lot more guys that are, are you know, going to Australia's Strongest Man. Yes. Uh, Matt Lynch-Blanche, he's gone to World Strongest Man as a 105-kilo yep. athlete. Just some real monsters throwing some incredible weights around. And um, we're lucky enough to be able to go and see these comps several times a year, which is pretty cool. Yeah, look, next comp is, uh, is uh, April 27th, so a couple of weekends from now. Um, if anyone's available, down at uh, Hillary's Boat Harbour, we'll be kicking off the tom comp at 10. We'll be finishing up between 4 and 5. First event is the Axle Press for Max Weight. If you can only make it down for one, please make it down for that one. Um, Naramu Afni, who is um, Australia's strongest man under 90 kilos, uh, he's going to be going for the, uh, for the world record in that event. So the world record is currently 165 kilos. He's doubled 161 in training, and he's made it look pretty damn easy. I think he's got a real good shot at it. I know he'll uh, he'd love to have everyone's support. Well, that would be great. That would be great. Um, and it's just touching back again on, on what you were talking about, how you set up your comps to run. Um, again, for people that are getting into the sport, that's a pretty good way to set out your training. Yeah. You know, if you know in a competition you're going to be having um, heavy legs, a heavy overhead, a moving event, a loading event, some sort of medley where you string together a few different events in, into one, um, that's a good way to train. You know, split your training session up or your, your week up and, and address each of those issues in your training. Um, exactly. I mean, look, like I said, in terms of running the comps as well, this is a partial logistics thing, but I think it gives everyone a... a a good way to, to gauge themselves. The way we set it out is everyone does the same events. We just change the weights. So we will run our four men's divisions, which is 80s, 90s, 105s, heavyweights. We run our three women's divisions, which is under 65s, under 82s, and open. Um, and we also run novices for each of those divisions. And basically the way that we set it out is if you're a heavyweight, you do these weights. If you're an under 105 or a heavyweight novice, you do roughly 10% less. If you're a 105 novice or a 90, you do roughly 10% less. And you kind of just work your way down the chain. And that gives you a good measuring stick because you can kind of go, all right, well, I did the novice under 105 weights. This is how I compare to these top level 90s guys, which means that I should be able to step up and now give the 105 weights a go. Or at least the events, let's say, the events for max, Everyone does the same event for, 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 for a max. So you might go, hey, you know, I really thought I wasn't ready to step up, but we had a max deadlift. I actually got more in the max deadlift than even the guys doing the qualifier weights. I should have done that next time. And lets you see directly who your competition will be, what results they're getting. You can go, all right, well, I did, you know, 100 kilo hand farmers in 20 seconds. The top guy in the, in the qualifier division did a, you know, 110 kilo hand farmers 
in 15 seconds, okay, that's speed and weight that I've got to add, you know, or they did it in 28 seconds, I reckon I might actually be able to beat that. It gives you a, a clear gauge of, of where you're at and, and how to train and plan and program moving forward. Nice. And can you talk about the pathways? So, like I said, we run qualifiers, you run qualifiers. Yep. It goes to a state, it goes to a state champs. I run the qualifiers now. <laughs> we go to state champs. Yes. Um, and then that qualifies the top place getters to go to Australia's Strongest Man or Arnold's. How does that pathway work to get right, to the higher so level competitions? Pretty much. Um, how it works now is the Arnold's is, I guess, the focal point of of, a, of Australian Strongman now. So you wanna, we run a qualifier. If you compete in a novice and you win the novice, you then have to step up and do the qualifier at your next competition. Or if you show what we believe is a level of competency. So if you come second in the novice, but you're half a point behind the guy who won and all your scores are comparable, we'll ask you to step up as well. But if you win, unless it's... If you win, generally we're going to make you step up for the next competition. Then at each qualifier, the top three placings from that field will get invited to do the state championships. From the state championships, the top 25% of the field will be guaranteed a spot. So, easy example, we have 10 competitors. Competitor one and two in, in, in at the state championships are guaranteed a spot at the Arnold's. It's then invite basis down to the next um, invite basis basically till we, till we fill out the field of, of 20 competitors so we might go alright number 3 in WA he was half a point off second or up 2 points off second or even 5 points off second but if we actually look at his times yes he came in 3rd in the yoke but he was only half a second behind 2nd so he's good there you know you look across the board all of his times were competitive let's put him up Hey, third place over in New South Wales. Look, he really wasn't at the stand. He only competed two of the three events. Unfortunately, we're going to rule him out, you know? And you pick people based off placings and then secondary competency to decide the remaining spots. From the Arnolds um, within Australia, top 10 at heavyweight, top 5 at 105, and top two at 90 and under 80 will get invited to do Australia's Strongest Man which is an open weight division there's no weight classes for all, for Australia's Strongest Man that's actually considered a pro level event now as opposed to Arnold's is where you do Australia's Strongest Man per division um, winner of the heavyweight at the Arnold qualifiers do the heavyweight pro show the following year at the Arnold winner I think top three at 105 get invites to um, under 105 World Championships. Top place at 90 um, gets an invite to the under, under 105 World Championships. And within the women, I think it's the same deal for heavyweight. Heavyweight and under 82, top five both go to Australia's Strongest Woman. And top three at under 65 get the invites. In regards to invites there, professionally, um, I think it was top three that got to do Southern Hemisphere strongest women in the heavyweights, and top, and and the and the top one gets to do the um, amateur, um, amateur Arnold's in Ohio the following year. The under eighty twos we have a direct link to a um, a professional competition, so the winner of the under eighty twos also gets to do a professional competition as well. So it's 
it's a little more all over the place with the women because it's still finding its feet a little bit more. There seems to be more of a market um, for those the middleweight women as opposed to the heavyweight women. Um, I just feel that it comes down to, I think, total competition basis because that 82-kilo division, you get a lot of the girls who were very big, very strong, very athletic and too big for CrossFit. So you actually get a you know a really high level competitor base there and lots of participation and participation is what creates interest in sport you know um that's why there's more money in in soccer than what there is in badminton because more people play soccer than more play badminton how dare you sir? <laughs> yeah same, same sort of deal. but it's growing it is growing and there's a lot yeah. of pathways so yes. um and that's good as well that's important it's it's hard when there's no pathways or you don't they're foggy or you don't know how you're going to progress to the next level it's clean cut and strong men go to these events the qualify and move on pathways very much used to be invite based so even getting to world strongest man it wasn't like you win australia's strongest man you're guaranteed an invite to world strongest man it's you win australia's strongest man and if the you know the promoter likes you and wants to have you there then you'll get an invite to world strongest man is but now it's very clear you win this you get to this you win this you get to the next step you win that world strongest man fantastic um, I guess to finish off, two things to finish off. What's in the future for you? You said you're looking at maybe chasing some records down, yes. but you've sort of hung up the full competition boots in terms of powerlifting and yep. strongman. Um, what records exactly are you going for, and uh, and when are we going to see it? Um, I look m- middle of this year, so August at uh, Capo Nationals. I want to have a. I, I would like to be having a good crack at the Australian squat record. Then current record's 460, um, so I'd like to give that a good shot. Then will that stay the, the the record for too long? Honestly, probably not. Even if I get it, there's a, there's a few really high level squatters out there. But I, I feel if I can start putting some pressure, you know, there's there's probably five really good squatters in Australia who I think are capable of. of beating that record and if I can be one of the guys in that race we can all kind of compete and push push each other a bit and you know hopefully get the first Australian to squat 500 kilos that would, really be, soon. That would be amazing um, other than that like I said the yoke's the other record that I really want to chase I mean it's I, I guess 6.15? 6.15 yeah okay. um, so 6.20 is the mark I'll be 6.20 going 6.20 is the mark wow um, I guess I've been relatively fortunate considering all the injuries I have yoke and squats were always my favourite events so to uh, to be in a position where I sort of have, have had to hang out the boots but I can still do my favourite little couple of events I feel at least pretty blessed to be put in, in that situation rather than going well it's my knees that are all messed up and all I can do is you know bench press now and I never really like bench pressing that much <laughs> so <laughs> it could have been a lot worse fair enough <laughs> Yeah, who needs bench press anyway? It's the most useless, <laughs> it's the most useless exercise. And it's not because I'm terrible at it with these long arms, but it's, it's useless. Squats all day. Yeah. <laughs> um, no other Nathan likes doing it. <laughs> yeah, Nathan, boy, yeah, he's pretty good at it though. Uh, so the final thing that I like to ask people, yep. um, and I'm going to chip in my two cents here as well, is if you have some advice for um, an up-and-comer in powerlifting or strongman or just any strength sport in general, uh, what would yours be? I'm going to throw my advice would be two things. One is just do it. Start it. Enter yourself in. I've heard so many times, even in this gym, when I've asked people, hey, you going to jump in this comp? Oh, I don't think my numbers are going to be that good. I saw I saw the numbers are posting up on Facebook. I think I'll be off. I'm like, hey, get in there and do it. You're not going to build confidence until you actually throw yourself, immerse yourself in it. And the, uh, the, the faster or the more times you put yourself out there, and it doesn't matter whether you come first or last in that event, going out there and doing it is something that not a, a lot of people are doing. And so it puts you into, a, into an elite little group. And the more you do it, the more confidence and the more fun you're going 
going to have with it. Um, and the second bit of advice would be try to find someone stronger than you to train with. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, when I first started training strongman, um, I was lucky enough to come train with you. And I put on some of the most strength that I've ever done in a short period of time. And it's because people that um, if you're chasing them or even if you're not close to their weights, they're always going to gently bully, in our case, you to go a little heavier um, or at least encourage you to, to, to be your best. Um, and I think that's really important. Uh, competition breeds success in my mind. And so if you are just training with yourself or if, if you're the king of the gym and people aren't egging you on at least, it's kind of sometimes it can be a little stagnant. So, so challenge yourself. Challenge yourself by jumping into comps and challenge yourself um, to really get in, in the gym and work hard. You know, work hard is what's going to make you um, get those gains. Um, I think another one to add to that is if you can't find someone stronger than you, find someone who's coming up. Because one, you can pass your knowledge onto them, you can help them improve, and as they start to improve, you start going, ooh, this guy's on my heels a bit now. I used to have 80 kilos more than him on the deadlift, now I've only got 20. Then you start working a little bit harder because you want to you want to maintain that title as king of the gym. You know, That's you don't right. want to be and giving I, it up. I will maintain um, the fact that I actually beat you on a 265 kilo yoke for 25 meters. Dance yes. speed you be, yokes. You beat us on the speed run. That's right. I beat him on the speed run. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want um, to address? Yeah, of course. I'll just quickly jump back for a second to what you said about um, just jumping in. Yeah. I think a good analogy is, look, I think jiu-jitsu is a pretty hot sport at the moment. A lot of people are wanting to jump in and do it. No one kind of goes, oh, look, I really want to do jiu-jitsu, but I just want to make sure I can do a kimura and a rear naked choke before I go down and jump into a class. Exactly. People just go, I'm going to jump in a class. You get tapped out 19 times the first time you show up and you're like, shit, I better keep coming back and get, get better because I just got tapped 19 times. Treat a strength sport like that. You know, you're, it's not likely unless you're an absolute freak, which is a few people out there like that, that you're going to rock up to your first powerlifting or strongman event and you're going to, you know, break records or win the comp or anything like that. Um, just go down, have fun, and by doing that comp, you'll improve. A big thing that I'll really say, and maybe this is moving to the next step after after uh, what, what Nevin said, once you're like, hey, strength sports is my thing, I really want to give this a shot. Find a good coach, find a good training group, and find some people that can be honest with you. If your technique is subpar, you want people to go, yeah, that looked terrible, and I don't want to see you blowing out your back, so let's fix it now. The next thing from that is listen to yourself, which is one thing I never did enough of. Um, you know, if your back hurts, well, there's a reason why your back hurts. You're not just, you know, being a coward and not wanting to push through find out why it hurts fix it up fix your technique and honestly chances are it's the two reason why things the two reason why things hurt in strength sports is one your technique's good enough and two the second reason why your technique's good enough, not good enough is probably because there's a muscular imbalance if your back's really strong but your core's really weak you're going to rely more on your back to help you lift it and you're going to hunch over to do that you know if your core's really strong but your back's really weak you know you're going to tighten your abs up in a different way to kind of push it up so fix those imbalances and I think a big thing that a lot of people ignore the, the value of is find a good coach and listen to them. Put, you want someone, like I said, like, like, like the training group, you know, you want a coach who is going to be honest with you and go, hey, yes, we know you can deadlift 200, but we want to drop you back and build you back up doing it better. And in the long run, you'll deadlift more. You know, here's the plan. Let's follow the plan. Let's follow the process. You know, we don't want to be maxing out every week. 
do what I didn't do. <laughs> you know, be, be, be smart about what you do. Listen to your body and, and find someone who's going to give you good advice and mentor you. Awesome. Well, I think that's great advice. Dan, thanks very much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Really enjoyed it. And um, I'll be posting up some more videos on the channel during the week of Dan squatting. Speed reps at 325 kilos looking really easy, by the way. It's pretty good. A little bit stiff, but really nice. It looks pretty good from where I was standing. Um, But again, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And uh, if you haven't done so already, help build the channel. Like, share, um, subscribe. Um, That'd be much appreciated. Thanks very much. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.